Good afternoon or good evening. Welcome to the Bronx Queens Bros Podcast. Better known as the BQB Podcast. This is episode number 30. I am one of your hosts, Big D. We got another one as Big D and another one as Jack B. Dave, how you doing? Doing pretty good. 30th episode. That is very exciting, fellas. Good for us. Um, We are recording in the middle of a thunderstorm, so... Hopefully there's not too much thunder going on in the background, but I'm notorious for having a lot of background noise going on. Not great if you're going to start a podcast, but uh, I'll figure it out one day. Um, but I'm excited. Let's do it. Jack, how you doing? Guys, I'm doing great. Excited for our 30th episode. And man, some unfortunate games gone on this weekend. V, the Mets, they continue to invent ways to lose. I cannot believe it. The Yanks somehow take two out of three from one of the best teams in the league. Super excited to talk about that. But first, guys, a message from our sponsor. Take it away, B. This episode is sponsored by one of the best-kept secrets in northern New Jersey, engineering and design concepts, a small company doing big things, specialized in product development, manufacturing, and test equipment. If you or anyone you know need assistance in that field, they are the company you need to contact. The link to their website will be in the description below. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's only it's been, it's been a week. It's been a week. You guys probably missed us. We know your favorite bros in the world, Bronx, Queens, you know, we're in Jersey, New York. You could be listening to us in Canada or in, you know, Dubai. And I know you guys miss us, but we're back. We're back. Big V was on the sideline there. He hit the IL for a little bit. And, you know, it was a little mismatch of the stuff going on. But this is what the Mets have been doing nonstop. They're just, they're just that bad. The Mets... Lose against the Astros and lose against the Phillies. Uh, both had a three-game series. Mets started out pretty confidently against the Astros. They won 11-1. Max Scherzer looked good. You come out the next game. Verlander didn't pitch amazing, but the Mets got shot out by Valdez. Astros had some good defense in that game. That was a well-played game that the Mets lost, and I wasn't mad at that moment. Then you go to the Wednesday game, and... Mets lost 10 to 8. Mets score 8 runs and lose cuz they allowed 10. You you just hate to see it. Uh, so much bad pitching. I'm breezing through these guys cuz I'm going to break down some more afterwards. You get to the Mets Phillies, Mets lose game 1. So I paid Apple TV Plus, right? $7. I paid cuz I got nothing better to do on a Friday night than watch the Mets. Couldn't watch anywhere else, so I paid for Apple TV Plus. I paid 7 fucking dollars for them to play the way they did. Nimmo dropping the ball. Tommy Pham and Lindor miscommunicating on a ball. Shit that shouldn't happen at the big league level. Just like an embarrassment. I would make these catches in my sleep, I think. Like, this is so bad. They drop it. They don't catch it. Mets lose that game. Saturday comes around. The Mets win a nice game. Scherzer pitched really well. Robertson picked up a, uh, I believe it was a five-out save. I mean, Mets won 4-2. to two. I mean, it, it was good. Scherzer looked good. Scherzer wanted to pitch to 6. Even though he was around 92 pitches, he fought to pitch, and he pitched, and he pitched well. And then Sunday. Oh, my. Mets have the lead. Mets are up 6-3. to three. It's the eighth inning. And I, I don't know what they're deciding to do by, you know, they're letting uh, Jordan Walker, I think his name is. Uh, I don't know what it is. The lefty that just called, got called up. I don't know what his name is. He he, he didn't know. It was a walk and a hit and then a walk. And then Brigham comes in and then, yes, he got the ground ball. 
after he hit somebody with the bases loaded, Beatty makes the error, no outs. But then he hits another guy, then he strikes out a guy, and then he walks a guy, and then another pitching change. Biggest problem here is why isn't Robertson up again? This is a must-win game. This isn't trying to win the season. This isn't trying to save an arm. This is a must-win game. Where is Robertson? Ottavino and Rayleigh apparently weren't available, which was weird to hear because apparently Ottavino says after the game that he was available. So why the fuck isn't he pitching? Like, I don't fucking understand what Buck's doing here. Who analytical department this or that. Don't know what's going on here. Just really, really bad baseball is being played in New York. Just horrendous. Bad pitching. But the hitting is actually pretty good. I can't get mad at the offense right now. Lindor's looking better. Alonzo's finally seeming like he's coming out of like his little funk two, three games off the IL. Um, Fam is still hitting. McNeil's not really hitting great. But like the offense is still producing a lot of runs. The Mets this year, when scoring seven or more or six or more runs, are 13 and 12. They're one game over 500. That means in all those games. Pitchers have allowed more than that. Like, why is this pitching so bad? Why? So much money is thrown at this pitching, and they're pitching horrendously. It's an embarrassment. This team is just so bad to watch. Like, I don't even... And they're calling up David Peterson on Tuesday, who's got an 8 ERA and, like, a 6 ERA in AAA. Call up somebody else. Call up a single-A pitcher. Like, what are you doing? You're just kicking games out the door. There's seven games under 500. The Phillies last year at one point were seven games under 500, and they went on a run. I'm not saying the season's done-done, but it's getting pretty fucking close. V, what did the Phillies do, though? They fired their manager. We're going to get to that in a minute. They went on a run. I'm not saying the Phillies firing their manager made them go on the run. Obviously not. But. A little spark. A little spark, yes. But I don't understand how you don't, right now, every game is must win. There's not one game that, if you have a game where you have a lead, it's must win. You do everything that day to win, and you say we'll deal with tomorrow's consequences. He doesn't, he, right now, Buck's not managing to win today's game. He's trying to manage to win the season, and the season is quickly slipping through the fingers of the Mets right now. That's all I got to say. V, uh, I don't really know where to start here, and we didn't even recognize we're so worried about the Mets and the atrocity that they are that I'm in a Mets hat today because I lost the challenge back last week, and I never got a chance to wear it on Thursday because of uh, the IL stint uh, from V, so I'm wearing it today. <laughs> And um, I do feel bad for my Mets fans. And via, <laughs> I don't know where to start because, and I, I thought this game was such an important game for the Mets. Um, I'm talking about Sunday's game. You know, they hadn't won a series in all of June, which is crazy to crazy to even think about. They still have not won a series in all of June. It's almost like this game meant would would have been like two wins for the Mets, right? You come go into Philadelphia, you beat them. You win the series, you get some momentum going back home, and they fall flat on their face. And one of the things that Buck has done 
really well, in my opinion, since he's been the coach of the Mets, is bringing his best relievers in, not always in the ninth inning, not always saving your best reliever for the ninth, but putting them in situationally when the highest leverage situations are or when the best hitters are coming up. But he abandoned that strategy. And, you know, you could say what you want about the strategy. I think it's mostly worked for you guys, especially, you know, last year putting Edwin in, getting five out saves sometimes. You know, I thought what Buck did last year was great. But seemingly abandoning that strategy completely confused me. I thought it would be a perfect situation to put in David Robertson. And you just, you don't do it. You put in the the righty, I forget his name, and then, you know, he hits two guys to get the double play ball, but just really tough tough to see there. And then to hear Buck after the game say Adovino wasn't available, and then Adovino saying he was available, like you said, V, makes me really scratch my head like, does Buck, you know, is he losing the locker room? Like, what what is going on? How can we be that off? Like, how do we not know who's available, who's not available? Is that just a, a miscommunication? Is that, like, what is going on there? Yeah. And then, go ahead, B. No, no, no. Because no, Adovino is the second, is the second most reliable arm in that bullpen, probably. Yeah. Second or third? Yeah, because Rayleigh right now is fucking nasty at Ever since he came back from the IL, like yeah. uh, in May, he's been awesome. Like just really, really good. Behind the, him, and he wasn't available, and that's fine. Whatever. If Adovino is available, that is and then that is your eighth inning guy. Right. I don't care. That's a three run lead. He needs to come in to start that inning. Right. I, yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, V, and you know what else really confused me is we kind of assumed that McGill, if he had another bad start, he would be sent down, right? And then, you know, Joey Lucchese, he's still in he's in AAA right now, V? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he would make sense to call up, but you can't call him up because I think he's pitching today, right? They completely screwed up the pitching rotation, which is a, some sort of organizational failure, whether that's Epler or... You know, I don't know who whose fault exactly that is, but it just seems like nothing right now is going right for the Mets, and they needed so desperately to get things right. You thought maybe it was the Yankee series, maybe it would be in Philadelphia, but I guess now you're just hoping it's at home against Milwaukee. But I mean, V, we're talking about eight games back, I believe, of the wild card, seven well, games under five hundred. I mean. And I, I, I know I say it a lot, but the highest payroll in baseball history. And baseball history. It's just a complete failure from the Mets right now. Yeah, I, I'm going to... I'm not arguing. It is a disaster in Queens right now. It's horrific to watch. I'm going to comment again about the pitching. Like... Joey Lucchese's been pitching very, very well for AAA. And I got to say, out of the Peterson and, and Lucchese, Lucchese's had a little more success at the big leagues this year than Peterson. Only thing that can maybe make sense is if there's a trade on the horizon for Peterson. Right. Some, or I, I don't know who or what he's getting from him. Maybe like the A's or something want them. I don't know. But unless that's on the table and you're like, all right, maybe if he comes up to the bigs and has two good starts, could help. What's going to hurt his eight ERA anyways? Like, 
maybe that's or maybe the maybe Lucchese has some traction in the trade market right now. So they're like, all right, let him just keep dominating AAA, and we'll use him in a package deal for somebody. I don't know that if unless that's the case. The only reason I'll allow this because this is an idiotic decision between picking Lucchese and not Peterson. I would pick Mike Vassell over any of those two guys who's, I think, just got called up to AAA. He's been pitching AA very, very well. And uh, I breezed over this. Eduardo Escobar did get traded uh, Friday night. I think it was Friday night. Friday night to the Angels. And the Mets got Coleman Crow and Landon. It's a tough last name, Mr. Landon. Mark Koo. I hope to get you on the show so you can tell me how to say your name. Um, but Coleman Crow was actually a very, very nice prospect. Very promising, good-looking right-hander. So I'm actually not mad at that trade because Escobar wasn't playing anymore anyways. And it seems like Coleman Crow seems to be like a very legitimate prospect. So, um, yeah. I mean, Mets picked up like his $5 million left on the year, which, you know... To get that prospect, like so be it. You you gotta, and they got another arm, and the Mets need pitching in the minors, anyways, for years to come. So that was good to see. But I mean, you gotta wonder, and who's next? Is someone else next? I don't. I don't. It seemed like Escobar was an extra player. Um, but then calling up Danny Mendick was a little bit of a shock. I I mean. I'm okay with Mendick. I think Mendick's a very solid player. He's a better player than Luis Guillorme, but they have both Guillorme and Mendick on this in this bench. And they're the same player, and I think Mendick's a better version of him. Why isn't Mauricio Orvientos up? But I I don't know. Um But yeah, I, I it, I'm really questioning a lot of moves on the Mets end right now. Yeah, V, and we went back and forth about your Mets panic button. Remember, remember, I was telling you about this last couple of episodes. Where are we now? Let's go one to ten. If ten is, you know, the season's just about over, and one is, is you know, we'll be fine. Where are we on one to ten? I think last time, last two times, you might have said five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna bump it up a little bit here. We're bumping it up to a seven. As we are seven games under 500, so I will bump it to a seven. I think a seven is, this is my answer, is the Mets are about another two weeks of losing baseball away from losing the season. I think. I think if they lose the series here against the Brewers, lose the series against the Giants, lose the next, like, two out of the next, I'm sorry. If they lose the next four out of the next six series, season's done. Stuck. You're going into the All-Star break, 10, 11 games on their 500, you're done. You're going to sell. You're going to sell as many players as you can. Try to rebuild for next year. You're going to have a solid core for next year. you got to somehow get pitching for next year. But you have a chance. So because they're getting close to that point, I'm going to have it as set. All right. Well, if it was me, I think I'd be at a 9 V. I think the Mets season is just about over. I really do. The more and more I think about it, 
I mean, the Mets are closer to the Rockies than they are the top teams in the NL, right? I mean, it's just the truth of the matter. Teams like the Marlins are 11 games over 500. It's shocking stuff what's going on right now in baseball. Not to mention Cincinnati just went on a 12-game winning streak. Giants have looked good. Arizona's been a big surprise this year. You know, there's plenty of teams that are, you know, far and away outperforming these Mets. And I just, I don't see, there's nothing I could put my finger on being like that, that's something that can carry over, right? Or that's something to look forward to. That's something that's giving me optimism for the future. I'm, I'm not seeing anything. It, like, I don't think they are capable of getting hot. I just don't. I don't see it. It's hard to see it. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be the glimmer of hope in this podcast as the only Mets fan here. So I'm. It's my job because also if I say they really are done and then they somehow come back, I don't want to say I was on record. I'd rather say I was on record saying there was a glimmer of hope. There Fair is enough. a. There is. Listen, I, I mentioned it. Phillies were seven under. Last year, at this point, at this point, and they went on a run. It's not out of the question that they go on a run, but it it literally has to start now. Like, but it, it like the offense needs to keep at least doing what it's doing right now, and maybe tick it up a little bit. But the pitching, the pitching, like, like needs to step up beyond belief. But I'm going to really say this, and we can move on, is that the bullpen needs to get help badly. Like, very, very badly. It's just so bad. You got two, three arms that are reliable. Besides that, it's done. Like, you got to get somebody. Let me pose you a situation. So let's say you're five games under by the All-Star break, right? Okay. Or by... Or by the trade deadline. You're five games under 500. Let's say you're six games out of the wild card. Do you buy or do you sell? So basically where you are right now, a little bit better. What do you do? I feel like you have to buy. You're in New York. You spent all this. But no, it's because they spent all this money. I think because they spent all this money, you you're almost inclined to just go for it like all that money was thrown at that this team like screw it i'm gonna try yeah but it's just risky because then you're you're possibly risking future teams down the line with these prospects right it's just it's tough it is a tough scenario it is a tough scenario and i hope they i hope they get to like maybe 500 by the trade deadline and then you're like all right all right we're at 500 we just gotta stay real hot going in yeah that's my to, hope. To me, maybe a little shakeup, like not a direct like buy or sell move, but maybe, maybe you could trade McNeil for like a nice closer or reliever. That I mean, because McNeil's really giving you nothing, and he is definitely versatile. I think teams would value him. You know, maybe some... I think so too. But with a new contract extension, I'd be shocked. They gave him a contract extension right before the season started. Yeah. So, I don't know. Okay. 
All right, let's move on. Let's get into the Yanks. Um, so the Yanks, they took two out of three from Seattle. Very uh, nice to see there. We got some great pitching performances until Domingo Herman took them out again and let up 10 runs, or the Yankees let up 10 runs. He got shelled for like seven or eight. Yeah, not great from Domingo. Seems like um, his beautiful start to the season was a fluke. I don't know if it was sticky substances or what was exactly going on, but uh, not great there from Domingo. Seems like his uh, starting rotation days are probably going to come to an end as soon as Carlos Rodon comes back, who's had two rehab starts. They're going to try to get him a third, get him pitching for the 4th of July series, and he's looked great, apparently. By all accounts, his numbers uh, were good, but by um, Somerset Patriot beat reporters, he's looked great. Stuff's been great. Been striking out a lot of guys, so that's great to see. Then I was super worried about the series, guys, because this is the best offensive team in baseball. We're talking about the Rangers that came into town to play the Yanks, and I was worried because the Yankees have not been scoring any runs, although their pitching has been good. Um, they haven't been scoring, but the Yankees did the unthinkable. They did lose game one of the series, but in game two and three of the series, they hold the Rangers to just three runs total, winning both games. Game on Saturday, one nothing. The game on Sunday, five to three. I never would have thought the Yankees pitching would have held um, Texas in check. Garrett Cole didn't have it at all, and he ends up, you know, the Yankees end up on top, winning the game five to three on Sunday. Um, they picked up Garrett, and uh, you'll love to see it. I think it's really indicative of this team how. We're kind of just finding ways to win, although the offense hasn't been great. Pitching has really stepped up. And I think it's almost the difference between the two teams, and I hate to keep bringing back the Mets, V. Um, the difference oh. of the two teams is, like, right in the margins. I think it's it's pretty slim, especially without Judge. But the Yankees almost have this um, relentlessness and this will to win that I seem is kind of lacking from the Mets, at least with the pitching, right? They execute in big moments. The pitchers, they're... Um, very calculated in the pitches they call. I give a lot of credit to the Yankees catchers. I think they call a great game. The, the little things that have been, you know, pretty good for the Yanks. The defense has been really good. And around the margins, I think that goes a long way, especially without Aaron Judge. Um, we've seen how bad the offense is. So I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the Yankees, um, listen, I, you know, while I was on the IL there for a little bit, I uh, got to watch a little bit of the Yankees, too. And uh, former Yankee, former Met, current Yankee, uh, McKinney, he's lighting the world on fire. I mean, but that's like a fun, like, he seems like a guy who's just dying for a little spotlight. And now that he's got it, it's like he's running with it. And good for him. The Yankees really need it. And then Bowers. I don't want to let Bowers. Today I posted on the... Uh, on the socials, follow us on the socials, guys. Post a little, little clip of them hitting home runs together. I mean, these guys are they're, they're nice little players. Listen, I, they're not judge. They're not stands of the world. But they're fun to watch. They play good ball. They're hard-nosed players. Yeah. And right now, they're actually kind of carrying the offense. Yeah, they are. Which yeah, I don't think so... anyone had in their bingo card to start the season. Nope. <laughs> So the thing about that's funny about the Yankees right now is a lot of their problems that resided last week and the week before that we talked about how they, they're not scoring, their best hitters aren't hitting, those problems are still apparent. Like John Carlos Stanton finally did get a hit, but he's been really bad. 
Donaldson didn't play the entire series. We could talk about that a little bit more if you guys want to get into that, the whole fiasco with Donaldson and Boone and whatever the hell happened there. LeMahieu looked good uh, the other day, but he, you know, I think he was off on Saturday, so he hasn't been great. Um, Volpe's been better, but still not great. You know, Bader finally got some hits, but, you know, the, the main guys that you expect to be good, Rizzo still really struggling. He had a three-hit game a couple of games ago, but still has not been great. So the guys that you would expect to be carrying this offense aren't. It's been McKinney and Bowers, and, you know, in situations like that, you got to tip your hat to Brian Cashman and say, you know, nice moves, um, I guess, and hopefully some more moves to come for the Yanks. And, yeah, I mean, that's really it. That's all I got. Um, I'm glad we're staying afloat here without Aaron Judge. And the big news, V, really, that kind of got overshadowed by all the Mets' terrible play was that Aaron Judge confirmed as a torn ligament in his toe, and he will be out indefinitely. So, you know, some reports are saying that could mean, you know, September. Some are saying at least until the All-Star break. It's seeming like he's going to miss at least the next couple months. So, tough to see. Just hoping to get him back. Yeah, that hurts. That hurts. You hate to see the, you know, reigning MVP get out. Not only MVP of the league, literally the MVP of the Yankees. Like, the Yankees live and die by this guy. Um, hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later. If I was me, I would just chop the toe off. I think he'll be fine. But, you know, I, hopefully he heals up quickly. He could take my toe. <laughs> you know, that judge situation is one of those things where you watch that play and you're so pumped when it happens. You know, that catch he made. And then you're like, kind yeah. of wish he didn't make that catch. Kind of wish he played it off the yep. wall or something. But yep. <laughs> he, he, he's a baller, so he went all out. And unfortunately, you know, we talked about it in his first little injury stint earlier. It's just kind of a fluke play that got him. And this one got him pretty good. So, um, you know, hopefully speedy recovery because we need him. Yep. But that being said, that's, that's, baseball, Susan. That's, that's baseball. That's a great recap, very extensive recap. Uh, v, you're not allowed to go on the IL anymore. Because it requires you guys to work twice as hard the following episode, so <laughs> stay he- stay healthy out there for us, will you? Um, with that being said, let's let's thank you. Let's get back into our segments for the first time in a week. And we're going to start with the hot stove. Very curious to see this one because can't even think of someone, but I, I know V's got something for us. Some Yankees make the list finally, V. Come on, I got a Yankee. Welcome to Vitan's hot stove. Ladies and gentlemen, when you make the hot stove, it's because you're amazing, you're on fire, you're playing well, you're winning games. So it ain't anybody on the Mets, guys. We got a Yankee today, guys. And it's the name of Clay Holmes, bullpen, closer guy. I don't know. I can't say he's the official closer of the Yankees because the Yankees do some weird, everybody kind of closes out situations here. But I think he should be the closer because this guy is absolutely disgusting. I mean, this guy's been just putting up zeros. Zeros, more zeros, more zeros. Wait, one run. Zeros and more zeros and more zeros. And a lot of strikeouts. Clay Holmes has been just pitching outstanding. Outstanding. Let me quickly add this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven out of his last eleven innings, one earned run allowed. 
I mean, this guy is just nails against good teams. Mariners, Dodgers, eh, White Sox, uh, Mets, uh, uh, Mariners, Rangers. You know, I mean, like, they're mostly good teams. I mean, he's pitching really, really well. It's amazing. But I have a hot take. I have a hot take here, guys. And it's for the Yankees. Actually, it's on the guy that's no longer on the Yankees. Mr. Aaron Hicks is going to make it to Seattle. <laughs> Dude, he actually might. It's crazy. He's batting over 320 games. Bunch of home runs. Yeah. He, I, 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 I was on Twitter. I was going crazy. Did you say you would buy the jersey? I said I'll buy the jersey. I didn't think I'd be repping an Orioles one, but... <laughs> You know what? If the Mets fall out of contention, I was on ball. I was rooting for Baltimore from the beginning to do well because I said it. I think I would root for Baltimore if the Mets fall out of contention from now on. They're gonna become my American League team. I know I should just root for the Yankees because we have this podcast. That's no fun. So I gotta root against you guys in some fashion. So I think if the Mets fall out of contention, I will become an Orioles fan for the season. V, real quick, to bring it back to a more serious topic, to Clay Holmes, uh, great pick for the hot oh, stove. Yeah. You kind of sh- Thank you. <laughs> you shrugged off that Mets performance, but honestly, Jack, I don't know if you agree, but that that was Clay Holmes, and that's what made me almost feel like he's at his last season, first half of last season self, yeah. right? So I think that Absolutely. was actually probably the biggest performance in all those games you listed, V. Um, but... I'm just curious to see, you know, over how long this will continue or if Clay Holmes is just maybe a streaky player who's really on or, you know, not so on. So let's see. He's definitely shown a lot of positivity lately. And the Yankees bullpen as a whole, I think, is worth mentioning. Absolutely. I think it's time for the jack-off. And there's a lot of candidates for the jack-off this week just because of how bad the Mets played. But... I got a curveball for you guys. So this this guy had a lot to say last season when the Mets won 101 games. He's often on Twitter tweeting away, throwing his money at a bunch of problems. Steve Cohen, you are a member of the Jackoff today. Steve Cohen, I have not heard a lot from you lately, which is crazy because last year it seemed like it was almost once a week when I would hear just how good the Mets were. Him about, you know, tweeting about getting this player and getting this player and how much money he has to spend and how he's great for baseball. I do agree. He is great for baseball. But not a lot from Steve lately, V. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's on the IL as well. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to actually have my guys call his guys and I'll get back to you. Okay. So Steve, you know, he kind of pitted himself as this George Steinbrenner type, right? This this guy that was fiery, he's going to bring the Mets a championship in five years or less. He owed it to the city, and he's a Mets fan, and, you know, all this stuff. Hey, Steve, where have you been, buddy? I, I haven't heard any leadership from him. I haven't heard any, you know, critiques of this team. I haven't heard any of any meetings that he's had with the front office. You know, it seems like for the big most expensive roster in baseball history this roster is not even i would say top 10 roster in the big leagues uh, i don't think that's 
you know, a crazy thing to say. So I think there's questions to be had about the GM. And then some of the quotes that your coach is giving out of late, not to mention his decisions late in games, are just asinine. Completely asinine. Saying how he's proud of the Mets after they get swept in Atlanta um, because they had a lead in some of the games. Saying how Adam Ottavino is is not available. And then Ottavino saying he is available. Um, You know, saying how, you know, we need to be better. Not really saying... He basically said at the end of the Phillies game that, you know, I put I put the team in the best chance to win and we didn't win. And he kind of just threw his hands up. I mean, what type of quotes are these from Buck Showalter and with seemingly no accountability from the top? Seems a little odd, V. And for a guy that had a lot to say when the Mets were doing good, and this is the one thing I said to you, expectations, V. They change everything. And I said that at the beginning of the season, although I did predict the Mets to have a good year, I did say expectations change everything. And with the highest payroll in baseball history comes a lot of expectations. Moving on from a franchise guy like Jacob deGrom for a new pitcher and Justin Verlander brings a lot of expectations. And the Mets are floundering right now. And I've heard nothing from their leader, Steve Cohen. Nothing, babe. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised that you haven't heard much. Uh, I, I, you know, listen, I understand why you're giving him the jack off. But I got to say, I don't know if, like, how, like, if Cohen is the one to fire Buck. I don't think it's him. I feel like it would be Epler. And you can't fire Epler three weeks before a deadline. I see, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. So uh, this only way I would phrase this is Epler brought in Buck as his guy. Right. So imagine you're Billy Epler, GM of a team, and the owner is like, "No, go fuck, fuck your manager midseason." I don't care that you don't want to fire him. I'm firing him, and I'm going to bring in a different guy. Or we're going to give Eric Chavez the throne. Okay. Or uh, we're going to bring Carlos, Carlos Beltran in. Okay. I just I, don't... I don't think that is a good business... I'm not saying it's, it's the wrong choice. Maybe it is the right decision. I don't think it's a good business thing to do if he kind of overrides that as it's as his choice. Okay. All right. And what I would say to that is I don't want to hear from Mets fans how... Basically, he gets all the credit when they were doing well and when they were succeeding last year, won 101 games about all the genius moves he made, and then him not getting any of the blame when they're having a terrible year this year. You know, I feel like there's probably... I think he's more hands-on than most owners, I would say. I I agree. I mean, I I won't disagree with that, and I think there is... Someone has to get fired. I don't know if it's Buck. Fire the hitting coach. Fire the pitching coach. Someone, there's got to be something happening. So, like, people are like, maybe get on your toes, Buck. Like, hey, Buck, fuck, you know, we're firing both the hitting coach and pitching coach. So, if you don't fucking start hurrying up, everyone's going to lose their jobs. You're going to lose your jobs. And we're bringing all new personnel. And we don't really care how the rest of the season goes, but at least you're gone. Like, get them a little scared. Make them play with maybe some fear. Don't play with lollygagging, soft belly, soft hands. Play with fight because they're not playing with fight right now. Like, I, I agree, Jeff. Yeah. I, I listen. 
I, I'm going to say I thought I, I still think Buck is a solid manager, but not right now. And last year, fantastic manager, but everyone was playing amazing. Like yeah. you were getting career years, if not career average years, from one through twenty through thirty players on your roster, and everybody was kind of healthy. Bassett, Walker, Carrasco, um, guys were coming in. Make Peterson, McGill. These guys were playing great. Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil having career years. Nimmo, Marte. Even Canna. McNeil. Like, incredible years. They're not getting that performance anymore. And now Buck maybe doesn't make the right decision. And it doesn't have that big offense or the big pitching performance now coming somewhere. And it's like, oh shit, I don't know what to do now. Because now i got to pick some random AAA guy to play in this spot. And they're going to make right. me look like shit. Now, yes. You got to be a really, really good manager now with a subpar team the way it's playing, and he's not. Maybe he's a really good manager for a very good team. I'm not making excuses, but there's a lot of blame on the players, and there a lot of blame should be some blame should be thrown on the management and coaching staff and GM and all that. So that's all, I guess. So, do you? Do you agree with Jack? I would say yes, but <laughs> see, I'm not using Steve as a scapegoat for all the issues. I'm just saying, you know, the guy was one of the most vocal supporters of the team. Obviously, he's the owner. He's a fan of the team last year when they were doing well, right? And I said, this spending money is going to cause some things to change. You know, expectations breed, you know, pressure, and things are going to change. And now this year. I haven't heard from this guy in about three weeks. Anything. Not a quote, not an interview, not a tweet. I've heard nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you probably wouldn't when the team sucks. But you'd like to have seen a tweet. Something along like, wow, this is hard to watch. We really got to change something. Yeah, or, or even last year when you guys went on that little skid. Remember it was like reported that he went and had like a meeting with the player. Just like, I've heard nothing. It's like he's hiding. Like a... I don't know. It's just a bad look to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you also never. We also don't know exactly what's really going on, but I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. Very good. Let's move right along. Hopefully, um, spread some optimism with my segment here, um, especially from Jack trying to get out of that Mets hat. Although I'm not sure V wants to wear a Mets hat nowadays either. So. Um, <laughs> It's time for Big D's Big Odds. We got five lines prepared for this episode. It is part one of our weekly challenge. It all starts today, fellas. Jack, you are in the hat of the opposing team, so you're going to start first with the Mets line. So, in the first series against the Brewers, Pete Alonso had two home runs, but those were his only two hits and 12 at-bats. They now have a four-game series coming up against the Brewers, so keep that in mind when I ask you this line for his performance in the series. I'm going to go Pete Alonzo hits. Three and a half. I'm going to go over here, V. I think he's got to rise to the occasion here, and I think he will. I think he will. 
Yeah, I mean, Alonzo, in my opinion, is actually a pretty clutch player. Like, this guy in late innings has a high OPS, higher OPS than any other player, I think. Like, he's a very clutch player, and uh, I think he's going to put a little more pressure on his shoulders. He's looking better against... He looked better against the Phillies in this series. He had an opposite field home run against Alvarado, who's having an amazing year for the Phillies. So I think he stays hot against the Brewers. Easy over for me here. All right. Now, this one might be a little wishful thinking for me, but the last time I did this line, it ended up becoming true, and you guys both predicted it. John Carlos Stanton. His last home run came against yours truly, V, on June 13th against the Mets. So I'm going to set an over-under line. He is playing. The Yanks got a three-game series against the A's. Right, Jack? They're playing the A's? Is it in Oakland? Yep. Okay. Three-game series in Oakland. V, over-under John Carlos Stanton home runs, .5. (laughs) I'm going to take the over. It's the A's. If he doesn't do it here, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm going to go over here too, V. I hate to agree with you so much, but, I mean, Stan's <laughs> got to – you would think he's got to get hot at some point. I think this stretch he's been on, probably his worst stretch as a Yankee, probably, if I had – just thinking back off the top of my head, maybe it's not statistically, but probably the worst he's looked in my eyes. So, thinking he's got to get right eventually. Yeah. Very good. Uh, you know, V, my next line is about Daniel Vogelback, who, you know, not being someone who pays much attention to the Mets, numbers don't look terrible, but I also agree with you guys. They're not quite DH numbers. But in his last seven days, he has hit in 294, has a home run and six ribbies. So maybe maybe that mental break was helping him a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he needs another one. We'll see. Four-game series coming up against the Brewers, Jack. I'm going to set an over-under on Vogelback, RBIs, one and a half. Vogelback, RBIs, man. V, is he even in the lineup today? He is. He is batting fifth. See, and then they keep dropping Alvarez. I think he's eighth today, no? He's at the bottom. He's in a slump. I, I know that, but, I mean, put some confidence in the kid. I don't know. I agree. But he has looked a little overmatched yeah. lately. Yeah, I've seen. Um, uh, Dave, man, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go under. I I don't know. I'm just going to go under. I, I was going to go. Spot. I was going to go under, too. <laughs> but I hate, I hate agreeing with Jack. So I'm going to go over. Come on, Danny Burgers. If he gets traded, can we void this? If he gets traded after game one. Can we series, yeah, sure. No, I think the I think That's the what... under hits at that point. That's a factor you got to consider. <laughs> God, I'll s- True. maybe maybe he'll run into a two run bloop single. You never know. You never know. You never know. All right. Um, speaking of someone who's been hot, actually hot, we talked about him, Mr. McKinney. In his last seven games, he has six hits. Six hits in his last seven games. So I'm going to set an over-under of hits in this series against the A's for Billy McKinney at one and a half. That is an easy over for me. Sound a little hesitant for an easy over. 
I was about to burp, and I didn't want to do it out loud, so I kind of had to like put it back in. All right, that's no, right. You were saying, Jack? Um, I'm gonna go with under, and not because I think Billy's gonna have a bad series. I just don't think he's going to play all three games. I think they really are gonna try to put Stan in the outfield to get Donaldson some more at bats. Because for the love of God, the Yankees are just obsessed with Josh Donaldson. So, that uh, I'm telling you, Stan's gonna end up playing the outfield at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah, let him play the outfield in the biggest outfield in baseball. <laughs> I'm not saying you. Again. I'm just saying that sounds really smart, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our last one. Um, listen closely, fellas. There's a, there's a, it's a choose em. Not an over and under, but a choose em. So, Lindor. V, you love to talk about his over. defense. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I would I would just like to reiterate it is not an over or under. <laughs> Lindor has 194 assists defensively. Jack Anthony Volpe has 163. So my question to you guys, you have to pick one. We are gonna go. Who has more assists in Lindor's three lowest games of the series? So we're going to rule out his highest game since he's playing a four-game series. And I'm also going to give Volpe two. So Lindor's three worst are Volpe plus two. Jack, you can start first. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with Volpe. Oh, man. I I don't want to agree with you, but it's just like... Lindor's at disadvantage here. He has two disadvantages in this one. He's a little bit handicapped. Um, because, I mean, in a four-game series, there could be a... I'm just going to go with Lindor, just because I like to have fun. A gambling man. Volpe's going to make a couple more errors. You know, you know my favorite thing about this is... is um. You guys start with straight logic. Like, the first two are just logical. You're okay with agreeing with each other. Once you two see that you're in agreement, you're, you just can't do it anymore. It doesn't matter what he's, line. He's good, right? good sides. <laughs> Whatever the first guy answers, the second guy's answering the other thing. So, that's, that's excellent. Um, well, hey, fellas, that pretty much wraps it up. I think I might have to throw another game at you on Thursday. I'll get brainstorming, but really got to put it to the challenge. So, all I will say... Study up on your history because we're going to keep going back. All Love right. It. That being said, that wraps up our segments. Shall we get into a quick preview of these upcoming series? Uh, we, we, we shall. All right, V, I'll let you start. I, you, got a, you got a four-game series coming up uh, in City Field. Against the we got a four-game series coming up against... The Brewers in City Field, as David just said. Just wanted to say it again for fun. And uh, Verlander on the mound. Um, to start the series, you want to see him pitch well. I mean, Mets are, I mean, the Mets got to win three or four. I mean, <laughs> Mets got to win three or four. Brewers are not playing good at all. Mets got to win. I'm looking for the pitching to do well. And offense to stay Kind of what they did the past two series. 
that happens, the Mets are going to win three out of four easily. So that's all I got. That's all I'm saying. All right, Jack. We got the Yankees coming up with a three-game series in Oakland. You really think they got to just carry some momentum here in this one? But what what are you looking for, guys? My thoughts here: Yankees, A's. We just got to keep it rolling. Got to keep it rolling. Hopefully, get some guys going offensively. Maybe a good series from Stanton or Mayhew. If we can get Donaldson going, that would be huge. Even though I'm kind of tired of him. Um, yeah. I would like to score some runs. I would like to at least take two out of three, if not sweep them. Um, yeah, but, I mean, the A's, you got to respect them. They won some games against the Rays. They, you know, they're not the worst team in baseball anymore, I don't think. I think that's the Royals now. So, um, yeah, we just got to keep it going. Let's go. All right, fellas. Well, I think that was a great... 30th episode kudos to the bqb bros here we're doing great we're doing big things um v we are 30 episodes in and there's still plenty of people who don't follow us on instagram so please tell them where they can follow us i, I listen it, it, it bon- it's bonkers because they gotta <laughs> just do this type in bqb podcast and you're gonna see all the great content it's as easy as that and Jack on the talk can they do the same thing yep BQB podcast on the talk check us out also don't forget to like and subscribe to the YouTube um, and just help us grow guys leave us a comment check us out DM exactly. D- Just he just wants you in his DM so bad it, it, but the weirdest part is we all get the DM so um, that could get a little interesting. That's all right. We'll let V do his thing. Uh, you can find us on Twitter too. Um, if you want to follow us over there, interact with us. We are always tweeting out good, bad, average opinions, all of that stuff. So it's definitely worth the follow. And you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, all of the above. Feel free. And if you like us, go find the richest person you know. And tell them to watch us because V knows one rich guy, and Jack says we haven't heard from him in a long time. So maybe it's time for them to check us out. That being said, catch you guys next time.